parler développement. Hablando de desarrollo. Talking development. Welcome to Talking Development, a podcast by Concord, the European Confederation for Relief and Development NGOs. These regular podcasts deal with topical issues linked to international cooperation, focusing particularly on the role the EU can play. Hello, I'm Tanya Cox, the Director of Concord Europe. In this episode of Talking Development, we're going to be discussing the speed of change in our external environment, the nature of these changes and how civil society can stay relevant. It's a topic that's been coming up a lot recently. We started talking about how to have impact and stay relevant back in 2019, and we put in place some changes that meant Concord could stay ahead of the game in some key areas. That said, we're still working out where we stand on the EU's move from talking about development cooperation or international cooperation to international partnerships. What does this mean concretely for the issues that we care about, like tackling inequalities and achieving sustainable development? Will it mean that the EU moves on from rather transactional relationships with partner countries to more transformational ones? These are the kinds of questions that we're asking. So who better to weigh in on this than our long-standing colleague and development expert, Rilly Lapalainen? Rilly is the Director of Sustainable Development in Fingo, our Finnish national platform, and now Concord's new president as well. Rilly, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today to discuss how civil society can engage, innovate, challenge and evolve. Thank you very much, Tanya. It's a blessure to be joining you. Before I dive into how civil society can engage more, innovate better, be more challenging and evolve, I'd like to start with a more general question about why that's all necessary. If we look at our external environment, we can see it's getting much more difficult. Just to mention one issue, civil society space is shrinking, but international cooperation is also evolving considerably. What, in your opinion, are the one or two recent trends or signs that may only just be showing that civil society, and Concord specifically, needs to be more aware of and take into consideration? Thank you very much, Tanya, for the question. I, I think that there are several, you can't really just pick one. And I think that really the major thing is the climate change and biodiversity, because those are really making the massive changes in the living conditions everywhere, but of course massively in the vulnerable places. And I think that we have a super crucial role as a civil society, especially in Europe, to really tackle that problem somehow. And of course, it's clear that the business as usual won't work anymore. And that's why we need to also think about that, how we work as a civil society, which kind of role we are going to take. Another point what I want to raise here is this digitalization. It's like the boom at the moment. And of course, we all benefit a lot on that. It's very handy. It really brings better and quicker ways of working. It really helps us to communicate almost all over the world. But it also divides a lot of the people. The reality is that half of the world's population have no access to internet, for example, and which kind of inequalities it really brings to the table. And I think that we definitely need to really keep that on mind as well. Couldn't agree more, really. So in actual fact, while we're talking about trying to engage more, what you're saying is in actual fact, there are some changes happening that are pushing us apart almost more. So if we move on then and we have a look at how we as civil society, we want to maximize our impact. And we're saying it's really crucial that we come together where we can and when we can to speak with one voice. That means it's also crucial that we understand the local context and the key concerns of our partners, for example, in Africa. So we've been making considerable efforts to engage more with other civil society actors, especially in Africa. And, you know, these trends towards using technology and getting used to webinars and everything being virtual, of course, is actually helping us with this. One of the things we want to do by engaging with others, however, is to see how we can amplify local voices when we try to influence EU policy and programming. From your perspective, 
How can we as civil society better engage with others? I think that this is really the heart of, of the thinking what we definitely need to really think about much more because that's a little bit some kind of natural development what has happened that definitely, of course, during the decades, civil society has been getting more and more professionalized as well. But I think the whole heart of, of our work is really that really work with the people. We are really working through our networks and we really believe on the people's thoughts and, and people's experiences and rights, of course, responsibilities as, as well. But I, I think that what we haven't really managed to do, ideally, is that we have a lot of messages what we're trying to get through. Many of those, they are really the common messages, but exactly somehow we are not managed to be worked enough together so that we can a little bit more systematic way messaging what we want to really get out of, what is really the, our core point, for example, in advocacy work. And I think that we have the mechanism on that. And definitely, of course, the Concord plays a very important role vis-a-vis the European institutions on that. Thinking that from the national perspective, of course, we as a national platforms who are the powerful of the Concord members, definitely we are experts of the national realities. But jointly through the Concord, we can also all be the experts in the European jungle, which is a little bit working inside the EU institutions. But I think that we have a special responsibility as a Concord jointly using our networks, our colleagues, partners, friends all over the world to make attention about those voices, especially for the most vulnerable voices towards EU institutions. And of course, we definitely need, our messages need to be based in the evidences, of course, the cases, what we know, we know the reality much better than the politicians or or civil servants, because we are there in the most vulnerable places. But I think that we need to really get a little bit more strategic on that. How could we really make this our system functioning a little bit more effective way and then really build our key messages based on the realities in the ground. Thanks, really. I think you made a really interesting and important point there, especially about being evidence-based. I know we've got, we had a bit of a moment where we were questioning how much we used facts when everybody was pushing back on facts and evidence, but certainly this is super important and very useful for us when we are trying to put our messages across to the EU. Over the last couple of years, Concord has tried to be more challenging, more challenging towards the EU and more challenging of ourselves to go the extra step in our thinking and our recommendations. And that's why these stories from the ground are also extremely important, you know, the ones that you're talking about. Trying to be more challenging has meant that we've taken on new topics. So, for example, we started advocating about what an inclusive, sustainable economy should look like. But one of the things I've heard you talk about recently is the need for Concord to be even bolder. One topic which would be very bold would be to address neocolonialism. This would perhaps be very timely too, given the European Commission's new focus on international partnerships. During a recent panel, one of our African colleagues challenged us to take this up. Neocolonialism in the way the EU works and neocolonialism in the way we work as civil society. What's your take on this? And on what subjects or issues would you want Concord to be bold? This is a really hot issue. (laughs) And I think that it's very, very understandable. And I think it's a super valid point. Of course, we can't really change the history. That's very fact. 
but we can learn from that and we can really build a more fair future situation. So I, I think that we can't really get rid of what has been happened. I, I think that we definitely need to learn from that. And somehow I'm a little bit perhaps schizophrenic, but I'm somehow a little bit happy also about these big changes or turbulences which is happening at the moment because it somehow is waking us a little bit more to really think what is our role as a civil society and which kind of player we want to be because like you said, we also need to really reflect a little bit our ways of working, that which kind of actor we used to be and which kind of actor we want to be in the future. Of course, all of us has really make the bad choices, but we can always learn learn from that and really thinking that how could we really be the constructive player. The fact for the constructive player means in that, that I think that all of us, we really would like to make the change. We want to really get the good results happening. We want to make the impact, which is really 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 building the better world for all of us wherever we are living and, and that's why i think that the current process is what is happening in the eu at, at the moment of course the eu always has a very very strong connections with africa it will be that in the future as well and thanks for the past the connection hasn't or the cooperation hasn't really been very equal partnering which is now is the, the try to go on that direction and i think that it's very very good direction to go there but it's easy to say and very difficult to do and that's why i think that we have a role as, as well as a civil society to challenge eu institutions even help them to try to be a little bit better partners with the african colleagues again doing our own business in parallel but i think that the real partnerships really means on that that you have the equal interest you have the dialogue and through the dialogue you are agreeing something it's not that somebody is putting the agenda and that's it, but it's really building the agenda together and really even doing the compromises in the both sides, but finding the common interests where you are then committed to work on that direction. And of course, in this partnering development aid or development cooperation or international cooperation, how you call it, nowadays that definitely has been quite in the massive part of the partnering in the past with Africa and EU, and it will have a crucial role. But there are many other aspects as well on that which need to take on board. And then we are really talking about security, migration, trade, etc. As, as a few examples on that. But I, I think the key really which should drive the whole machinery at the moment is the Agenda 2030. The Joint Sustainable Development Goals agreed in the UN. It's not perfect, but the, the most or it's the best tool what we are having at the moment as a global community. And I think that we are not really taking seriously all those aspects of the Agenda 2030, meaning people, partnership, prosperity, planet, peace and the need for the transformative change we can't really make the progress on all that in that positive direction where we want to go on all that so i think that we need to really have a little bit bigger view we need to think about especially from the coherent point of view that how could we maximize everyone's resources to get the positive results and making the progress what is needed we have very few we have very, very little time left. Of course, the 2030 is set by the agenda 2030 as a deadline. But more seriously, of course, we all know the facts from the reality. And of course, the COVID-19 is speeding up about the challenges what we are having. So we don't really have time tomorrow to act. We need to act today. And, and one of the really crucial elements to really get everybody on board and understanding about this 
for example, the new colonialism as well, is that we need to talk about these things. We have to be much more open. We have to be honest. We have to be humble. Wrong decisions the community made before, but learning from that and really talking and thinking that what are really the best tools how we are going, going to solve the, the challenges what we are having. And awareness raising, really the people's skills to tackle about these problems, really having it with critical tools to understand that what we have done wrong, but how could we really build the right decisions for the future? Those are absolutely crucial ones. But I think that we shouldn't be afraid of critical discussions, but the critical discussions, it's one step. And the next steps where we have to go is that we are really giving the solutions, which we are definitely needed today and not tomorrow. Thank you, Billy. I think that you're quite right when you say that we need to move from just giving sort of critical reflections on what think what's happening in the world to actually moving on to these solutions and being propositional about things. And this is something that Concord, we've been saying for a little while now, let's be much more propositional. And I think now's an ideal moment to do that because we've got a sort of an opportunity. And I don't like to think of a crisis as being an opportunity, but one can turn it like that. So COVID-19 has set us back, as you said, massively on the SDGs. But everyone is now aware that we need to build back better, as the EU is calling it. We prefer to say to rebuild better. If we think about this and this need to be able to rebuild better and the fact that we've actually got quite a lot of work to do and a lot of changes to be putting in place, that means that Concord really needs to be focusing on how it can engage effectively and challenge effectively and get our messages across even more effectively than we already are, but also in a climate that's nonetheless getting more difficult for civil society. So one of the things I've been thinking about is how we might need to think about being more innovative, more innovative in our messaging and in how we get our messages across. How can we use our old power roots to adapt to what is actually a new power world? We all know elephants can't dance. So how should Concord adapt its ways of working? Yeah, that's very, very important point. And I really, really see that there are two sides of the coin. There's one, what we are going to do internally. So what we as a European network, as Concord, how we can empower our members to really be the change agents back home, wherever they are based, because that's the homework, what we have to do. But on the other side, I think that we need to also understand about the big changes, what's happening in the societies at the moment. And that comes back a little bit on that, who has the power now and who has the power in the future. And there's a lot of researchers made and, and based to that fact that power will not anymore stay automatically with the governments or political institutions like we have used to understood or used to to work with them. Definitely, of course, they are not really disappearing in one night, but in parallel, there's increasing number of different actors, different power players. Of course, there's a lot of new parties comparing for the old old parties, but there's a lot of one signal topic movements, which are really interested about making the change around one topic. And that's really based off the individuals, the citizens who really want to put their energy in one topic. And then, of course, the role of the digitalization, the social media, which is a really huge weapon in the good and the bad way as, as well. It really puts us as a Concord as, as well, a little bit in an interesting position that how are we using those tools 
but not exactly losing our identity and our place in the societies. And I think that the tools how we really need to find the ways is really that we need to empower our members, but it's also that we need to really be innovative. That are the ways of working what we have used to do, like I'm taking the example sending the letters to the ministers or making the reports. Are those always the best tools? I think that we sometimes need to really think about a little bit more innovative way on that that, and learning from our members because there's a lot of good knowledge, expertise, innovations happening that what could be the even more effective ways how we can exactly challenge governments or challenge the, the civil servants who are implementing the policies on there. And I think that this is really as a key important part of our machinery is, is that how we can boost our internal knowledge and how we can really, really get the good spirit, good ideas more, more in, in our hands and what we can learn together on that and what we can develop a little bit better on that. So I think that this is really a little bit two sides of the coin where we need to really think a lot on that. I really believe that we have a lot to learn. We will have a lot of possibilities how we can work together and not at all forgetting our dear colleagues all over the world, the partners, other civil society organizations in other places. And I'm linking that back on my previous comment on that, that we, in many cases, we have our own messages, what we want to promote, and exactly the messages what the colleagues, let's say, for example, in Latin America or Africa or somewhere else, are repeating us as well, a little bit in a different wording. But if we could exactly use the same wording, could be a little bit more impactful on our messages and then really get the messages through a little bit quicker. Thank you very much, really. There's a lot of food for thought here that you've been sharing with us. And I very much look forward to working with you and to the whole of the Concord membership and the Secretariat in trying to put some of these ideas at least into practice. So thank you really very much for having joined us today in this episode of Talking Development. Thanks a lot, Tanya. Concord is the voice of more than 2,600 NGOs across Europe. To keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. You can obviously find this podcast on your favourite listening platforms and on our website, concordeurope.org. Please don't hesitate to get in touch with us and to share your ideas. We'd really like to hear from you. 